I start each day with two of the most important things in my life. First is my King James Bible. Second is my cup of coffee. Having coffee that early in the morning allows me to spend quality time in my studies. Proverbs 22 verse 9 tells us, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Let me introduce you to free lunch coffee. They are on a mission to end hunger from the lives of young children, thus following a godly principle of giving food to the poor. When you buy one bag of free lunch coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need. And free lunch coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of these young children. How cool is that? They also have some amazing custom-made mugs and tumblers, each mug providing 10 meals and tumbler providing 20 meals to children in need. Beyond this fantastic cause, Free Lunch Coffee has great coffee that is specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. They offer a 100% money-back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love their coffee, they will give you a full refund. And you can keep the coffee. You have nothing to lose. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to the loyal listeners of this podcast. So use coupon code ILOVEJESUS at checkout. So go to their website, check it out at freelunchcoffee.com. again to another episode of Higher Ground KJV Bible Study. Today we're going to continue our study in the Gospel of John, uh, going into chapter number two. So if you have your Bible ready, please open it. Um, You can use your phone or whatever you have there with you. Gospel of John, chapter two, verse one. The Bible says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. 
And the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. We see today in our account the first miracle offered by Christ. The first miracle described by John in his gospel. So we're going to walk through this today and talk about this wonderful account. Verse 1, we see in the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. We see John, as we continue through his gospel, will use chronological cues to give us an idea of how long uh, this next scenario preceded the previous scenario. It gives us an idea many times as to how long. And we see from our ending of chapter one and the calling of of uh, some of his disciples to now we see and the third day, three days later, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And we see in verse one that the mother of Jesus was there. Now, Unlike today, especially over the last year, uh, marriages, you know, they, they can be spectacles, and, and they are. Um, they are wonderful events, but they tend to be family events. Um, they, you can, and, and many people do, invite, invite friends and so forth, but they're mainly family events. During... Jesus' time, these were community events. The entire village, the entire community would have been present at this ceremony, which would have went on for many, many days. There was eating, there was drinking, there was a celebration, and then culminating with the final wedding ceremony. And we see that Jesus' mother was there. Uh, many commentaries kind of go on here to uh, suggest maybe this was uh, some friends or family of Mary. Maybe what was Mary's role in this wedding? Was she just a guest or was she in a position that she was helping um, supervise or plan the wedding? And, and we'll see kind of why some believe that she was assisting in planning the wedding. Because when they became and they had this issue about the wine, she was one um, that it was brought to. That issue was brought to. And we see in verse 2, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Now, this could have been a specific invitation to Jesus as well as his disciples. Could have been that Mary was present and through Mary's attendance at the wedding, Jesus was welcome as well. But whatever the reason, we see that Jesus and his disciples attended this feast, attended this celebration. God incarnate, Jesus Christ, attended one of the first social gatherings we see in his ministry 
a wedding. Marriage being ordained by God is one of the most critical um, aspects in all of Scripture. And here we see Jesus giving, uh, uh, solidifying this, this, this doctrine. We also see Jesus says ministry beginning in a social way. He was going to deal with people. He was going to deal with people throughout their day-to-day circumstances, deal with people throughout their day-to-day lives, deal with the problems they had, and he was going to be there for them. His ministry was dealing with people. If your ministry is dealing with people, then you have to be around people. And as I said earlier, this celebration was village-wide, was the whole community. What better place to attend if your ministry is in helping people and showing people toward God than this event. Verse 3, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. So again, as we said earlier, you know, maybe Mary was in a position of somewhat assisting the wedding party in planning this event. Because when they wanted wine and they realized they were out of wine, Mary goes to Jesus with this critical point and saying they have no wine. Now, again, this was a community-wide event. This, this, um, this wedding ceremony went multiple days. The fact that them running out of this wine would have been a tremendous embarrassment, if not insult, to the family. This was more than just kind of a faux pas of, oh, we didn't have enough to begin with. This could have resulted in some sort of legal ramifications of, of uh, people coming saying they failed to meet the standards and their expectations. It would have resulted in just humiliation that would have continued for generations at this time. Verse 4, what was Jesus' response to Mary? Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I told to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, when we read this in today's vernacular, we see Jesus' words saying, first off, woman. This almost sounds like some uh, beginning of an insult. Well, Jesus isn't going to insult his mother. We, we know better than that. Um when you look at the context of this word and the meaning and and context using the original manuscripts, you see this is kind of a term of endearment. It's um, as if we were saying ma'am. It's just a way to recognize her in the position that she has in his life. What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus is in his mind saying, you know what? Mine hour is not yet come. He knows why he is where he's at doing the ministry of God and what this ultimately is going to culminate to. His hour is not yet come. What do you want me to do? He's asking. Verse five, his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I love this verse. 
whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now, if you read verse four, we get the impression that Jesus is kind of like, you know, you're out of wine, you're out of wine. You didn't get enough. It's not my position to step in. Uh, mine hour's not yet come. It almost sounds like he's kind of putting up his hands saying, not my problem. Yet in verse five, we see his mom, after hearing this, she raised him. She bare him. She knows her son. And she knows that he's going to do um, something. She doesn't know what. Remember, to this point, he had not performed a miracle. But she knew who he was. She knew who, that he was special. The angels specifically told her at the time of his conception who he was. She knew. So she put into place and she made a statement to the servants. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I just love that. Can we all take a moment? And as you're praying in the morning or in the evening, as you're working throughout your day and the Holy Spirit kind of talks to you in that still small voice, can I say to you whatsoever he saith unto you? Do it. Just do it. Don't hesitate. Don't doubt. Just do it. Such a simple but profound statement here. Verse 6, And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, again, these water pots would have been large clay water pots. They're not the fancy ones. They're not the fancy ones that would that would hold um, uh, some special drink. These were clay water pots that they would actually use to wash their hands with. So Jesus saith unto them, who? Under this, unto the servants, fill the water pots with water. Did they empty the water pots, then refill them? Did they wash them out ahead of time? Bible doesn't say. We could speculate one way or the other, but all we know is that in the end, the servants filled the water pots. And then it gives us a little bit more detail on how they filled it. And they filled them up to the brim. I didn't just fill them up to where there was one or two inches left to the top or, you know, they were thinking he's going to put something in the water and we're going to mix it. And uh, No, they filled it to the very top. And when Jesus performed this miracle, there was no question that it was miraculous. There was no question that they, he could not have put something else in that pot. The water was at the brim. So there was no question that this act was a miraculous act. Secondly, the fact that he, that the servants filled these to the brim and then he performed this miracle is that he provides for us abundantly. Abundantly. We get many times what we ask for. Sometimes we get abundantly what we don't ask for. 
But when he provides, he provides abundantly. Verse 8, and he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they, the servants, bear it. So they drew out some of the wine from the top, and then they took to the governor, the head supervisor of this wedding feast, for him to kind of validate and check this wine out first before they were able to serve it to the guests. Verse 9, when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, they knew where it came from, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. So this was common practice during these days was to take the uh, more sweeter wine, give it to the uh, guests at first and when they became well as the bible says well drunk then we kind of substituted the older wine or the wine that was a little more diluted the wine that had a little less flavor to it because they, the the guests were full at this point so we kind of gave them the less uh special wine if you will So we see Jesus accomplishing this wonderful miracle that was able to keep this family from experiencing that social humiliation. Why? He was there to serve people. He was there to fight, to uh, save people and to save, save them to God. Somebody, if somebody's going to listen to your testimony, they need to do so many times with a clear head and a clear conscience. If this family had so much ridicule because of this wine incident, and then the disciples or Jesus was to share the gospel with them, they would have had to overcome this ridicule. So to just have them be able to start from a fresh spot to be able to hear the gospel was a ideal situation. But the main point I want to make today, and we'll also continue this point over the next two um, podcasts we release on the study of John. And this is a major, major issue. Many times uh, already in my life, and uh, whether it be at church or employment or friends, I, I hear people use this account to justify the drinking of alcoholic beverages they say listen jesus's first miracle was to turn water into wine so there's nothing wrong with me having wine alcoholic wine or going to the bar or drinking a beer can we take just a moment to wrap our heads around that thought i have 66 books in my king james bible that i have sitting in front of me Throughout this text, there are numerous times where Scripture, God breathed Scripture, thus God is telling us that it is 
not right to be intoxicated, that we should stay away from strong drink. Yet we want to take this one account in John and justify being able to drink alcoholic drinks. We even look at uh, verse uh, 10. And uh, Jesus saith unto him, every man at the beginning, or excuse me, this would have been the, uh, uh, the supervisor, the governor, and saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then they, that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. We see that word drunk and we think, you know, this was some sort of drunken party. Again, stop and think about that for a second. Do we believe, after studying and reading the entire scriptures, that our God, who commands us many times to stay away from alcoholic beverages, attended a party where people were just so inebriated and drunk that they needed more wine? Would Jesus attend such an event and then have his mother and disciples there with him? Absolutely not. That is not the God that I read about in my Bible. And you have to compare Scripture with Scripture to get an idea of whether what we're reading is, if, if we're interpreting it correctly. So what is this miracle telling us? When we see the word wine, what are we thinking? Well, very briefly, and we're going to go into this more during our next podcast, but they're talking about a non-alcoholic drink. Folks, they're talking about grape juice. Now, if you've heard that before and are not sure about that topic, I encourage you to listen next week. We're going to look at some of other writers from this period to see what similar types of language they used to describe the wine of this time. We'll discuss how you take or how they took grapes during this time and kept them from fermenting. Have you ever heard somebody say during uh, this period when Jesus was alive, it was a very arid and dry and hot climate, they would have had no way to keep the grapes from fermenting, thus they would have had alcoholic drink? That's just not true. It's just not true. If you look at the historical studies during this time, you will see how they kept this grape juice from fermenting. We're going to discuss that further over the next couple of weeks. And then finally, here in about two weeks, we'll discuss what the Bible really tells us about partaking in strong drink. So I encourage you to uh, listen. We'll be sure and, and uh, title these messages appropriately so that you can find them if you need to at a later time. But I encourage you to listen to the next two or three podcasts, to study, to meditate, to pray, and then to spend time with Christ if you have an issue in regards to 
strong drink. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Higher Ground, KJV Bible Study. I encourage you to be sure and hit like on whatever platform you are listening. Also, check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com backslash Bible KJV study. And please consider emailing us your thoughts and reactions. If you've made a decision regarding your relationship with Christ, I want to hear about it. So send me a message on Facebook. Also share our posts and podcasts with friends and family so they too can experience the love of Christ. Thank you and have a blessed day.